0: that why you have it curled up it's
1: so cute it's my little pancake burrito what's in it i didn't put anything in it (laughs) i mean i would normally put like eggs and bacon in it Mm. and then you curl it up and then you pour syrup over it that's cute right it also doesn't take up as much space on your plate look at you life hacks from murder brunch roll your pancakes up you'll thank us later
2: Welcome to Murder Brunch. We're the Murder Brunch Bunch. I'm Clinton.
1: I'm Rachel. I'm Joe.
2: And this is the podcast where we bring you two tales of mayhem and murder and discuss where a killer falls on Dr. Michael Stone's scale of evil.
0: Incredible. Are you looking me in the eye to
1: like show your dominance? What is that?
2: Yeah. You're
0: like staring me down while you do
1: it. And now he's showing his teeth.
0: Like a gorilla. Uh, So here we are again having brunch. Should we? You want me to go ahead and tell you what the cocktails are? Well, do you want to talk about brunch first? We can talk about brunch.
2: We should talk about brunch because this was heavy.
0: This was a very heavy brunch. Uh, Clinton has gone all out once again and gotten us from a local bruncherarium. Sure. Um, (laughs)
1: Because that's a thing. Eggs, hash browns, pancakes. And by eggs, we mean eggs benedict, (sighs) scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Sausage cake, pancake what is that? That's like biscuits and gravy with a sausage patty in the middle. Oh, yeah.
2: A chicken fried steak. Chicken fried steak. Hash bacon. browns. Potatoes. Both hash browns and breakfast potatoes.
0: Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Joe has been so kind as to provide us all with our own individual cannolis.
1: Yum. They, eat, they have different toppings. They do. Mine has chocolate chips. And mine has almonds. And the butt is dipped in chocolate. How do you know that's the butt and not the face? Because dipped in chocolate. <laughs> it's always going to be the butt. I don't know what you dip in chocolate, but... <laughs> My face.
0: Um, but yes, it's, it's as always, a lot of food, and we did not prep for today's brunch like we usually do. We did it
1: fast before we came <laughs> Um
0: But it is good to be back. We've had a couple weeks off, but here we are brunching again, so that's nice. But... On the sad news of things, it is our last episode for season two.
2: Mwah, mwah. So I don't know what you mean about two weeks off. I was still brunching every Sunday and discussing murder. <laughs> I'm sure you murder. were.
0: And discussing murder. <laughs> <laughs> Just with whoever at the restaurant.
2: As one does.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a good run. Good season two run. So uh, so, so our drinks today are a little different. For our season finale. All right. Instead of doing our traditional cocktails, we are doing shots. Today.
2: Shots, 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 shots.
0: And this particular <laughs> shot, so raise your glasses because we're all going to do this at once, is called a princess shot. Oh. All right? So it's not cheer, pink. It, is, it is not. Ooh. Another. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to serve those not up. Not really. <laughs> yeah. You got to do at least one more.
2: I can immediately identify all three ingredients in that shot
0: a a full disclosure i okay so i used apple pucker green apple pucker it's really supposed to be watermelon pucker (laughs) oh (laughs) so it is supposed to be pink it is supposed to be pink but the local liquor store did
1: not have it so we're doing apple pucker i enjoy it i i like apple better than watermelon anyway
2: and you like midori
1: and i like midori and i like green drinks it's supposed to be watermelon pucker vodka
0: and sour mix but since the only thing that I had to change out was the watermelon for a green apple. But it is a very fruity, silly little drink. But it's fun to do shots. We haven't done those before on the show.
2: I mean sometimes we drink our cocktails like shots.
0: But yeah, sometimes. Sometimes you have to get them down that far. That fast. Okay. Well, I have the first story for today. And we are ending with our second literary or movie character that we do twice a season. So this is our second one. The first one we did this season was Frankenstein's Monster, right? So here's my fictional character that we're going to put on Dr. Michael Stone's...
2: Scale of scale Evil. Scale
0: of Evil. All right, here we go. Amigo Montoya was born <laughs> in Arabella, a small village in central Spain. He had a poor upbringing, but he was very happy. His mother had died in childbirth. He had no siblings, but his dad, Domingo Montoya, was great. Everybody loved him. So if you don't know who I'm talking about already an montoya is the famous sword fighter from the princess bride
2: both the book and a movie
0: which i use both as my sources in fact that's actually a good point clinton i used a lot of information from the book for information about an ego that's not in the movie so you might hear something that you've never heard before also spoiler alert if you've never seen the princess bride you might want to get out now because it's really good all right His dad, let's talk about Domingo Montoya real quick. He was an amazing sword maker, but he lacked renown. He worked occasionally for another famous sword maker named Yesti. So Yesti worked in Madrid, and when people came to him for orders of swords that he couldn't do, he would go find Domingo and say, Could you make this sword? So Domingo craved to make a true masterpiece. And he was eventually approached by a six-fingered man, we find out later is named Count Rugen. He spends a year making the sword, but when Rugen comes to pick it up, he's like, meh he doesn't think much of it and he refuses to pay the full price when domingo refuses to give him the sword rugen kills him because that's what domingo was like i'm finally proud of my work this is an amazing piece and rugen just kind of shut it all down so he got real mad but rugen kills him Anigo immediately challenges rugen to a duel and he loses and he receives scars down his cheek one on each side he was 11 years old so he was a little kid yesti the sword maker domingo worked for Takes in Anigo and raises him for two years, and then Anigo leaves to learn sword fighting skills. All right, at thirteen. Yes. Okay. Or yes. 12, 13.
2: thirteen. I'm just gonna say that Link is like seven when he goes on his first adventure, and he was successful. So. <laughs>
0: he was very successful. All he learned how to do was break pots <laughs> and yell a lot. Yeah. But Anigo actually does, a, you know, according to his story, he goes and he studies with mentors and masters all over the world so that's very cool very cool 10 years later he returns to Yesti. so he's about 22 and Anigo has learned so much that he's become a wizard which is a step past master in the sword fighting
2: scale you're a wizard Anigo. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he has done this he has done this learning to seek out count Rugen to kill him so Anigo is on a um What a Righteous quest. A righteous quest. He has has a lot of vengeance. He's out for revenge.
2: He's on a mission from God.
0: He is on a mission from God. He doesn't know Count Rugen is the six-fingered man's name, and he can't find him. So he's basically just looking for a six-fingered noble, and he can't find him. So he spends five years searching, failing, and that's when he starts to drink. So at 30, he becomes an alcoholic who is giving up his revenge. He's bored by fencing because he beats everybody he can. He is, quote, a shell, quote, of a man. And this is when Vasini finds him, which is Vasini was a crime boss who hires Anigo and another henchman named Fezzik. And they begin touring the country, doing crimes and doing all kinds of stuff. He Anigo works for Vasini for an indeterminate amount of years. But by his mid 30s, that's when he meets up with Wesley, who is the hero of The Princess Bride. And that's when Wesley and Fezzik and Anigo storm the castle and the plot of The Princess Bride takes place. So, for today's podcast, sidestepping any henchmen he kills. So, Anigo throughout his life, has probably killed a few different people as, as part of his criminal background when he's working for Vizini. But the, the kill we're going to talk about is when he eventually kills, spoiler alert, <laughs> Count Rugen on Buttercup's oh. wedding night. I feel like I'm throwing out a lot of terms that people are going to be like, if I've never seen The Princess Bride, I'm not going to know it, but... I'm the assuming char- everybody has seen The Princess Bride. The
2: character names are unimportant. Like he, he shows up, he finds this person that killed his dad, has a fight with him. That's the that's the crux. Okay.
0: So we're gonna talk about the night he killed Count Reuben. He chases him through a castle, and again, I'm I'm taking this directly from the book, so it might be a little different from the movie. He chases him through the castle where they meet in the billiard room, and the Count surprises him with a dagger to the stomach. An ego collapses, sure he's going to die. But he pulls the dagger out and he balls up his left fist into the hole that the dagger left behind. And I, I mentioned that in particular because Anigo is right-handed, especially when sword fighting, that's his best hand. Basically, for our sense in the podcast, I'm saying that he is predetermined to kill Count Rugen the best way he can. You know what I mean? He leaves no room for mercy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Rugen, as Anigo is sitting there with his left hand shoved into his innards Rugen recognizes him because of the sword he carries he carries Domingo's masterpiece sword he tries to stab Anigo in the heart but Anigo pushes it away and it gets his left shoulder uh Count Rugen tries again and he gets Anigo's left arm so he's like kind of just parrying the sword back and forth um Inigo using adrenaline and the voice of his father and Scottish mentor which was, I guess, his favorite mentor that he studied with. Throughout Sean course. Connery. I was about to say, he right. bet he was a
2: Highlander. <laughs> They're very good with swords.
0: They are. He finds the strength to fight back, and he gives Rügen duplicate slashes on his cheeks, like he got when he was a child. He also gives Rügen the similar injuries in his left shoulder and arm. They have the famous tête-à-tête um, where he says, "Like, offer me money," and you know all that stuff. And because now Rügen is like begging for his life. And then Domingo says, and again with the book, he says, I want Domingo Montoya, you son of a bitch. And the six-fingered sword flashes again. The next part I'm going to read is directly from the book, just because I like how it's all laid out. So I'm just going to give this to you. The count screamed. That was just the left of your heart. And Inigo struck again. Another scream. That was below your heart. Can you guess what I'm doing? Cutting my heart out. You took mine when I was 10. I want yours now. We are lovers of justice, you and I. What could be more just than that? The count screamed one more time and fell dead of fear. And Ego looked down at him. The Count's frozen face was petrified and ashen, and the blood still fell from the parallel cuts. His eyes bulged wide, full of horror and pain. It was glorious. If you like that sort of thing. Andigo loved it. And then he lives happily ever after. And he heals from his wounds and blah, 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 blah.
2: Well, until his wound splits open. And-
0: <laughs> yes. But for, for uh, as far as we could tell, he goes on to become the Dread Pirate Roberts, and he does more adventuring and sailing and all that good stuff. So, Anigo is who I'm putting on the scale today. Any questions about the story? It's all one we know, obviously. But any
1: thoughts? Um, no, I don't have any questions about it because, again, I've read the book, I've seen the movie multiple times. So, and it's great, isn't it? It is great. It's a fantastic story.
0: So we're going to put an Eagle Montoya, because he does kill a person, although I don't know if I'd say he's evil. We're going to put him on the scale of evil. Uh, which, what is the scale, Clinton?
2: The scale ranges from category one.
0: Justifiable just... homicide.
2: <laughs> How dare
0: you.
2: <clears throat> to category 22. Rachel.
0: Uh, psychopathic torture murderers, where torture may not be the...
2: Torture is the primary motive. But it need not always be sexual.
0: There we go. That was fun to watch (laughs) So um, Okay so for Inigo I keep wanting to say Inigo I don't know why I want to pronounce it like that
1: Um, Anyone want a peanut?
0: (laughs) We could do this entire episode of just lines from Princess Bride Oh my god
1: Uh, It would be glorious
0: So I have two spots that I think um, Inigo would fit into One is justifiable homicide Even if you put aside his revenge motives In the moment Count Rugen is trying to kill him And so he is defending himself So, justifiable homicide. Or four, which is killing in self-defense, but extremely provocative toward the victim. Because, obviously, he has hunted Count Rugen for a number of years. And even though Count Rugen didn't know he was was being hunted, in the end, he is going after him. So, that's what I've got so far. Debate.
1: Well, I would have to go with level level one, um, justified homicide. Because even though he has been hunting him he never put on a pretense there was no trickery oh yeah that's true i mean he does say he, he my
0: name is Anigo montoya you killed my father prepared to die right so he was never going to you know, like no, trap. He,
1: he didn't try to you know settle up next to him and and you know get close and then stab him in the back or right. anything like that it was very much like hey you i'm gonna kill you with also that one thing that you didn't touch on um was count Rugen is a serial killer Oh yeah, I mean Calrugat is not a. And nice I mean, guy. like he would be a, a number twenty-two probably just because he is the constructor of the, the machine, the machine and the the pit, mm-hmm. right? And Anigo knows that about him because he does save Wesley from the machine.
0: Yes, he does know that the machine exists. He knows about the pit of despair. I don't know if it's touched on whether he knows Count Rugen was responsible for that, or if that was Prince Humperdinck. But he, I mean, I think he's aware that Count Rugen is not a good person.
1: Right. So I think that with those factors, or he's doing a service to Mm. the world well here's where
0: you get into the morality of it like should should vigilantes be going around killing bad guys quote unquote bad guys because they know them to be bad guys or should they be sent through the justice system just like everybody else and you know and arrested and put on trial and well that's just talking
1: about an idealistic world Mm -hmm. but i mean they did have a court of law and it was flawed because it was run by a crooked monarchy
0: true true but I think if you do take it in the moment of the murder, only one person was going to walk out of that billiard room. You know what I mean? Like, like Aruga was going to kill him. So if anything else, it was definitely self-defense.
2: I'm going to throw one wrench into this. Okay. <clears throat> just it one? Yes. It won't change too much, really. But I don't think we can view just the killing of the Count. You have to look at all of the people Inigo killed before you place them on the scale. Do you? Yes.
1: Why? Because it's the person, not the act.
2: Yes. We're not judging a murder, we're judging a person.
1: I suppose so, but we at the same time. It's a
2: person fault <laughs> of the Yeah, You can't say,
1: well, yeah, Bundy, you know, he ate several other people, but let's not talk about those, <laughs> you know? Well, the only
0: problem with that is we actually don't know who all he killed. Like, I mean, he was a criminal, and he, he probably was a did criminal. some terrible things. He was already. But we don't know what he did.
2: About to, you know. Frame. He was going to kill Buttercup and frame people for it. Well, Vasini was going to kill. He them. killed several <laughs> henchmen. He's killed people. He was a bad person for a time. So he was how a drunk.
1: You. you know, he was a drunk, and he did. He, you know, his sword was for money. So that yeah. is true. He was a mercenary. That is true.
2: The important thing, though, with all of that is how psychopathic do you think he is? i don't think he
0: was very psychopathic only be mainly because you have to take in the time period where he existed obviously princess bride is set in a made-up country yeah but it's it's believed to be around the renaissance period and so taking lives killing people in duels killing people in and that kind of stuff was common not practice. yeah it was common practice. Did, yeah. right
1: so i don't think he's psychopathic okay yeah, he never did it for pleasure. He didn't he really didn't kill for pleasure. Right. He killed because it was either his job or because of the revenge. Right.
2: Okay. It's important. Because otherwise he would be a category fifteen. A psychopathic, cold blooded spree or multiple murderers.
0: Because <laughs> that is exactly like,
2: what he does in that castle.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. With Count Rugen, but I don't think he's ever cold blooded. And ego is very hot blooded. He's very yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's that.
2: That's true. He is a Spaniard. (laughs) Yeah, just looking through these others, the other possible one is murder sparked by smoldering rage, resulting sometimes in mass murder. That's a category eight. I wouldn't Um,
1: classify him as a mass murderer. Because even... uh, So we
0: were watching the movie again, too, just so I... Because I did both. I watched the movie and read the book recently. For the umpteenth time. And even the murders in the movie, there aren't very many. Most of them are knocking people out. Like, when he fights Wesley, Wesley knocks him out, Wesley knocks out. He
2: straight up kills five henchmen in the hallway.
0: Right, but I'm putting... I, if you'd let me finish my thought, Clinton, then, yes, the nameless, faceless henchman that is part of any movie that has swashbuckling, that does happen.
2: They're people too, Rachel. Are they? They have families. <laughs> I doubt it. And now
0: orphan children. Yeah, But he doesn't, like, they're... He doesn't murder people throughout
1: the movie. Because oh, he doesn't then. see
2: them as people. I see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he doesn't murder people throughout the movie or the book. Is all I'm saying. He, There's going to be a, a, a march now, just a bunch of henchmen <laughs> with signs. Where are people too? We're so, more than a helmet.
2: I think it, it's worthy of the debate, though. Sure. Because I mean, really, it does come down to uh, how much psychopathy you see in him. Because so that one, category 8 is persons with few or no psychopathic traits, but murders of a more severe type. So,
0: Well, I don't think they're severe at all. There's a quick sword through the heart, done.
1: He doesn't he doesn't let it linger. He slashed
2: a face? Face. That's just that's Rugen. Arm, that's, arm. that's
1: just one. That's just Rugen. And that was because of revenge. And that was an eye for an eye, even Jesus. Ooh, I don't
2: know. <laughs> That's Jesus goes on
1: the scale. <laughs> uh,
2: torture, sadistic, to me. Oh my
1: god! What
0: are you doing? You're ruining my <laughs> childhood. I'm willing to. I'm willing to take into account the the kills of of random henchmen or done in the name of his job. But I really wanted to put this one murder in it because it's the it's the one we have right. For, yes, for text. Like we just. It sounds don't know to me
2: like stuff. a torture murder. That the torture element is not prolonged.
0: No, no, he is not a torture murderer.
2: I'm just saying.
0: That's not torture. He sticks him a couple times. That's it.
2: With the intent of keeping him alive. I know he does try to out. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's a category 18.
0: I don't think he's an
1: 18. What do you think? You're not weighing in.
0: I said I said my piece. Yes. Well, now that we have this new information though,
1: <laughs> all I'm saying is that if we're going to you know, you know, apples to apples, I still stand by that Inigo Montoya did a service to the world by yes. destroying Count Rugen, who was a psychopathic serial killer, torture murderer. Yes, he was. Okay. And and probably
0: sexual involved too, because he's I'm a weirdo. Sure.
1: And I believe that he knew it after he saved Wesley. I mean, he was going to do it anyway, but he knew it after he saved Wesley because he was in the pit of despair. Yes. Okay. And you would imagine Wesley, you've told him what's up. And here's the thing about the final fight with Count Rugen, even though it was pretty bad, right? Count Rugen could have gotten out. Yeah. He, he ran could've... away. And then he stopped and he turned around. And he's like, I want to do this thing. And he was provocative toward Inigo because yeah. he's the one who hid behind the whatever and stabbed him in the... In the mm. um, yeah. I mean, once, once Inigo was down on the ground, he could have just left. Yeah. And so he was actually... He could have finished it. But because of his actions, Count Rugen's actions, he actually ended up prolonging his own death.
2: Mm. So if I torture murder one person, but he's a very bad person, I'm a good person? There's five
0: people on the train track and one on the other (laughs) one. And we pull the trolley. If you kill a psychopathic torture murderer...
2: That makes it okay.
0: I think you get a few bumps up the scale. Okay.
2: I'm just saying, that's... That's what we have to discuss. If you torture and kill someone, but they're a bad person, then you're not a bad
1: person. I'm just saying if a a dad of a kid who was murdered by a sex offender murders that sex offender, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people who are like, you know what? You're just as bad. But did that
0: dad (laughs) spend about 10 years going around killing people too?
1: (laughs) Maybe until he got it right. (laughs) Okay. That's the, that's probably It's like the Terminator You go to every Sarah Connor <laughs> Right Until right. you get it right Well okay
0: Here's the thing I, I think for our literary characters at least We take them from what the book tells us yes. The book does not really go into details About those years That he worked for Vizzini So I think The one murder We can really base it off of Is the, the one torture murder Mm-hmm. That one Is Count Rugen And I still feel like That is justifiable homicide Okay
2: I don't necessarily disagree with you on I, any of it. I mean, life. really,
1: there is, you, once you think, like, you can think about the details, and you're like, well, technically, it's this technically, in the end, we all still root for Inigo Montoya. We do. Yes. Nobody roots for Count Rugen, except Clinton, because he's a weirdo. <laughs>
2: I got a thing for six fingers, let me tell you. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, I think, if nothing else, to save his own life, he killed his attacker. And if you put in those most basic terms, it's a justifiable homicide. Because I, I, there's very few things I can think of that are justifiable homicide other than self-defense. Like, we've had this discussion before, re- uh, listeners, because you don't... I mean, when we're not on microphone, we've talked about, like, who is going to be in a number one spot because...
2: It was hard. I was looking for one right. for my story. Because
0: very. so rarely in life is it justifiable to kill anyone. And I think that the one situation it can be is in self-defense.
2: All right. So here we have, then, one justifiable homicide. Yeah. Or four... Killing in self-defense, but provocative towards the victim.
0: Right, so. but as we discussed, he isn't provocative so much as... He
2: hunted him down. Yeah, he, he could have never... But, Rugen,
0: pers- but he, Rugen didn't know he was being hunted. No,
2: no, no, he could have never pursued the Count. Right. So it's not self-defense. In the he, moment it is. No. He hunted and attacked Count Rugen.
0: But in that moment, Rugen is going to kill him.
1: But it does go with my other point about how like Rugen could have left or whatever... He could have just let him go. Yeah. So, Clinton does make a valid point. What about the whole thing about like he didn't trick him into anything or whatever? I don't think that he was provocative in that that aspect or whatever. But he did make the choice to pursue. He did.
2: It, it's not self-defense if I come after you and then kill you.
0: I suppose that's true. I suppose that we could say you know Count Rugen is doing justifiable <laughs> homicide because the thing. Is,
2: it he, would have been it had would he been. killed.
0: Yeah, because if he had if he had stabbed. Inigo And then Inigo And then he has left <laughs> And then Anigo would have gotten better And still have hunted him again You know what I mean He wouldn't have given up his
2: quarry 100% Yeah So Yeah
0: so really count Rugen is yeah. the victim Oh my god you guys
2: So I think I am go- Though I'm going to use that as the argument To say it is justifiable homicide It is not self defense Well
0: now I feel like we're on I feel like we're on number four. Oh, okay Cause number one is just Justifiable homicide It doesn't actually make any claims To self defense
2: Right I think it's just justifiable homicide. He killed his dad. He killed him.
0: Also, he is a terrible person and he needed to be killed. Rugen.
2: Bonus points. Yes.
0: Because that's an interesting thing you could make as justifiable. If, it's, if it is truly a... Like if someone had assassinated Hitler, that's not self-defense. But I would say that's justifiable homicide. Well, every time they'd make they'd do an execution. That is true. We are supposed to believe that is justifiable homicide.
2: So... Interesting but you didn't expect this discussion on your <laughs> fantasy character. But I know, I know we're, we're aching for a justifiable homicide. So I will agree. Although there are many caveats here that could interpret <laughs> I'll put a little this. asterisk next
0: to A little question mark. Uh, justifiable he homicide? He could be quite
2: the psychopath. I don't
0: think devoting so. Devoting
2: a life to torturing and killing someone.
0: Not torturing. Just killing.
2: <laughs> 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 and no. he
1: did give it up. Yes. Yeah, he stopped after he Well, stop. he became a pirate. Well, yeah. you know he I
2: mean? became a fucking pirate. No, I mean, like, <laughs> look,
1: there's not a lot of jobs for Spaniards back in that time. I mean, like, by the time he met Wesley, yes, he asked him, hey, by the way, do you have six fingers on your right hand or whatever? But he wasn't actively looking for him. That's, That's true. true. He had given it up to work for Rossini. Like, that was part of it, is that he had given up his plan for
0: revenge. And that is stated in canon. Yeah. And so it kind of was just fate. Oh, I found him. <laughs> oh, no, he's trying to stab me. I better stab him first. That's how it went down. I,
2: the, the fun yeah, part of officer. all of this, though, is most stories, if we reviewed the hero protagonist of it, they kill a lot of people.
0: Well, I thought about doing Wesley. But really, the only person he kills in The Princess Bride is Vizini With the it's eye of powder.
1: He doesn't kill Humperdinck. I know, but in his... Exploits as the Dread Pirate Roberts. No, you that, don't. You don't really know that because he does seem like kind of a fair kind right, of guy. Even that
0: he's not murdering I'm, people. I'm so sure much he as killed somebody. He robs more than anything else. But anyway, I did an ego, Inigo because he's he has that great battle with Cal Rugan So
2: all right, so we'll put. Inigo Montoya yes. as our only Category 1 justifiable <laughs> homicide.
0: The only person we can think of for a Category 1 who is not
1: real <laughs> was Inigo Montoya. Very good. All right, so let's move on. Story 2. This is typically an unsolved murder, so we don't have anybody to put on our scale, but we're just going to have a little lark anyway. So... For the past couple of episodes, we've done kind of off the regular track, you know. You did the the Founding Father story, which I found completely fascinating. And then I did something else that I can't remember that was weird. The guy, the um, nomad guy. The hiker. Oh, the hiker, right. Okay. So, but this, we're going back to a technically unsolved murder. Mm. All right, so the time, March 18th, 1969. The place, Houston, Texas. Local 38-year-old socialite Joan Robertson Hill becomes violently ill. So her husband, a prominent doctor in the area, Dr. John Hill, loads her and her mother into the car and hurries to the hospital.
2: I'm sorry. That
0: phrase always makes me think. He like gathers them up in his arms and shoves them in the car.
2: But it is Joan and John Hill? It is. Okay.
1: Well, they hurry to the hospital, and by hurry, I mean he drives in what is later described as a leisurely pace. Come <laughs> <laughs> Grandma's in the car. What are you going to do? And by hospital, I mean he went way out of the way, passing large hospitals at which he had privilege in favor of a smaller and remote facility.
2: Mm.
1: Perhaps it will not surprise any of you that by the time they reach the hospital, she's not doing well and by the next morning Joan Robinson Hill has died don't give me that face and don't exclaim oh I know this one okay I know you're gonna you want to do it fight it Rachel I'm excited to eat my cannoli okay now her death is suspicious and no one can really pin down the cause after her autopsy there is some debate over whether she had pancreatitis or hepatitis But she had no evidence or indications of previous issues with either in her medical history. Her father, however, has a different theory. Ash Robinson, a millionaire oil man, is completely convinced that Dr. John Hill has murdered his daughter. He didn't get loaded in the car that day? No, he wasn't there that day. He begins throwing money at the problem, putting pressure on the district attorney to have Hill arrested. He hires another pathologist to perform a second autopsy. The results of the second autopsy is an almost hesitant, she may have been poisoned, it's possible. Mm. So prosecutors find a little used charge and arrest him for murder by omission, which Mm. means to ensure someone's death by simply doing nothing. Dr. John Hill, his trial starts February 1971.
2: Two years later. (laughs)
1: Okay, so in one article I read, they were talking about the jury selection. And they mentioned that because he was uh, so handsome, (laughs) which is a matter of opinion. I've seen pictures. I kind of like
2: this guy up
0: now. No,
1: don't. You might even see the end of the story. (laughs) That the prosecutors didn't want any women on the jury. Mm. Instead, they wanted all white middle class men. Gay. As if a bunch of white middle class men would not believe... A white, middle-class man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought it was the most ridiculous thing to mention. Well, the jury of his peers. Yep. Okay. That has no bearing on anything, but I thought it was absurd and I wanted to share it. Excellent. In any case, they got their wish and the jury was 11 men and one woman. (laughs) But Dr. Hill's attorney was undaunted. You see, Dr. John Hill had hired the most notorious criminal defense lawyer, arguably to Ever have lived. His name was Richard Racehorse Haynes. Yes. Oh my
2: God. <laughs> Dick
1: Racehorse Haynes. So, a little bit about Racehorse Haynes. Please. <laughs> which is really what I want this whole story to be about. He's still talked about among lawyers nationwide. Is he still alive? I don't believe that. So. Okay. He was very theatrical in court. For instance, he once shocked himself with a cattle prod just to make a point. And at another trial, he cross-examined an empty chair. <laughs> he would constantly trip over a spittoon in the courtroom. Christ. This is before, I don't know, I guess they outlawed spitting, spitting or whatever. but um, And it was Texas, so whatever.
0: You so, probably still can. There's spittoons all over the
1: maybe. trials. And okay, goes. so he would trip over a spittoon in the courtroom to make the jury feel bad for him. And he he only stopped when a judge told him to.
2: (laughs) You've tripped over it seven times now.
1: Well, I'm just a clumsy Texas lawyer
0: trying to make my way
1: in the world. (laughs) He once defended a woman named Morgana the Kissing Bandit who would jump into sporting events, run up to players, kiss them, and then run away. I've heard that story because that is fascinating. She did a a bunch of times, too. Oh, yeah, she did. Now, his defense for her was that her chest was so big that the sheer weight of it caused her to fall out of the seating area onto the field. And since she was there anyway, she might as well kiss someone. She got uh, a mistrial.
2: (laughs) Uh, I want to see a movie about her life.
1: (laughs) Racehorse would have his clients thank the judge and jury for their acquittals, but stopped when a judge answered back don't thank me, you little turd. You and I both know you're guilty.
0: <laughs> now, your honor, I'm just a
1: simple Texas lawyer trying to get... No, go ahead. But he also coined the phrase and won a case, won the very first case, using battered woman syndrome. Here's a quote from Richard Racehorse Haynes. Do it with the accent. No. <laughs> Come on. No.
0: I'll do it with the accent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let me see.
0: Say you sue me I say I say I say (laughs) (laughs) Because you claim my dog Bit you well now this is my defense My dog doesn't bite And second in the alternative My dog was tied up that night And third I don't believe you really got bit And fourth I don't have a dog
1: Uh, I love him so much. (laughs) Okay, so the trial begins and this is the prosecutor's theory of what happened. Dr. John Hill brought home from the hospital several Petri dishes containing a harmful bacteria of some kind. He then infected pastries, which he fed to his wife. They got this theory primarily from Anne Firth. A woman dr john hill married only months after the death of joan Mm. and then divorced nine months after that though they had been married and she could not be compelled to testify she decided to do so anyway Mm -hmm. however and was rather theatrical herself do with the accent (laughs) (laughs) i don't have any more quotes And her testimony reached a climax when she suddenly blurted out that Dr. Hill had tried to kill her by choking her and then trying to inject her with a syringe. It was a really crazy story because she's like, oh, he tried to choke me. Then he had a syringe in his pocket and then I batted it out of his hand. And then he produced a second syringe. And okay, also in the story. And then she's like, and then he told me that he did the same thing to his wife, Joan, you know? However, being that this story was never shared with anyone ever before this moment, Racehorse Haynes immediately called for, and was granted, a mistrial. A second trial was convened, but was also um, ended in mistrial. A third trial was then scheduled for November 1972.
2: Okay, so at least only a year after the initial, so. Mm -hmm.
1: The initial. (laughs) they move quick in texas every six months new trial on september 24th 1972 dr john hills who is remarried again at this time (laughs) moves fast his doorbell rings upon answering he is shot and killed oh once investigated the police come to the conclusion that it was a contract killing and they suspected ash robinson yeah However, no evidence could ever be linked to him. Oh. They did find the hitman, Bobby Vanderville or no. Vandiver, 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 however you would like to pronounce <laughs> it. But during an unrelated event, he was shot by police and died. Vandiver's oh. girlfriend and getaway driver was identified as Marcia McKittrick. She received a 10 year sentence for her role. And testified against Leela Paulus as being the one who hired them. Paulus was like a well-known madam in the Houston area. Mm-hmm. But that was pretty much where it stopped. Like some people alluded that she had connections with Ash, but there was never any hard evidence. But he used her to find the hitman? That's what people think. Okay. But they could never approve that. Okay. And Paulus was convicted to 35 years. Oh, my gosh. For the hire. In 1977, Dr. Hill's third wife and son brought a civil case against Ash Robinson for wrongful death, but he was found not guilty. So that is two murders that technically are unsolved.
0: Well, I mean, the murder of John Hill is solved. They know it was a hitman. They just don't know who hired the hitman.
1: Right. Correct. Okay. Wow. Well, they do know who hired him. Well, but they don't believe that she, she has the actual um, motive. There we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did she end up serving the full? She served for five th- years. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't really. I didn't look into how long she. Wow. Had been in. That John Hill, what a dick. But yeah. racehorse Haynes is pretty interesting. Yeah. I do feel like I've heard that story before. Truthfully, when writing this up, I know I've heard it probably in My Favorite Murder. Maybe that's what it is. Or even in Criminal. They might have done it in Criminal. In Criminal, they did Race Horse hate. They did Race Horse names. Yeah. That's what... Okay.
2: I've heard that I don't have a dog like, Yeah. before. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's still brilliant. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> wow. All right. That was pretty good. Some crazy shit that happens in the world. I know. And that's sad. Just... I mean, maybe if it was in a different time period, they could have figured out what killed her a little bit. Like, the science wasn't there yet or something like that. Maybe.
1: But it's also kind of weird that two autopsies were done and the most that they could do was, like, maybe she got poisoned. They couldn't even say, yes, she's been poisoned by somebody. Right.
2: And that's the big thing with, and again, like this, I am am not an expert. No? (laughs) But the whole saying it could be hepatitis... And that's a big thing. Is a lot of the poisons do damage to your liver, mm. and then present as hepatitis. And so, like, yeah.
0: Mm.
2: Also, like, I assume the the closer to death that an autopsy is done, the more accurate it has to be. So, anytime it's like, let's let's dig him up and do this second autopsy. Like, it's how get, it
0: gets has to get worse,
2: right? Like, well,
0: and also, what kind of doctor was he?
1: Like, he had access to bacterium that he was bringing home and possibly injecting her with. Well, that's what his crazy ex right. wife, second wife uh, was saying. She said that she had walked into the bathroom and found petri-, petri dishes that had like some kind of pink stuff growing in it. And then he was very upset that she was in the bathroom looking at it and he shooed <laughs> her away. And then she also found pastries in the the refrigerator one day, and he got very upset. And he's like, You're not allowed to eat those. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's kind of like how they got the theory. I just wanted he, to eat those pastries. And he's just like, You need to watch your figure. Ooh, and you're like, Dr. Dick. Hill. So. He, he would never poison anybody, but he would call them fat. <laughs> I mean, he's a doctor. Yeah. So, okay. So I suppose this is the end of
0: a, another season of Murder Brunch. It's been fun, and we will be back. We will be back with season three probably in October. Yes. That is our plan. So if you'd like to get updated on when our new episodes are coming out, make sure you follow us on all of our socials. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter for updates. And then you can visit our website at murderbrunchpodcast.com or email us at
2: murderbrunchbunch at gmail.com.
0: Lovely. Sources? (laughs) Yes, let's
1: do sources.
0: Okay, so for my story on Anigo Montoya, I used the movie The Princess Bride and the book The Princess Bride by William Goldman. Highly
1: recommend. And for my story, I used Murderpedia. I used the Wikipedia page for Racehorse Hanes. And um, just a special shout out to uh, Criminal Podcast because they're what actually uh, clued me in on it by their um, little profile mm-hmm. of Racehorse Hanes. Alright
0: very good Alright Clint you got anything for the end of the podcast? It's the end of season 2 This is your chance What do you want to tell those listeners? Say it now Goodbye Don't mess forever. up <laughs> Goodbye forever No <laughs> Just for a few months
2: I look forward to more brunches
0: Yes and more murder
1: <laughs> And more mayhem
0: This has gone <laughs> way off the rails.
1: I route, know so. That's <laughs> where we are going
0: um,
1: No that's okay You want to sign us off? Join us again for more mayhem. More murder.
2: More snacks. Bye. Bye.
1: Season
0: three.